Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of the EMJ podcast. My name is George Cooper, I'm a medical writer and podcast host, and I am delighted to be bringing you a discussion on vitiligo disease with two leading experts in this field. Before we get going, a few housekeeping notes. This podcast is funded by Adly. The content reflects the opinions of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect views of Adly. Now, this podcast series is split into two parts. In the first part, we discuss the burden of vitiligo disease on patients. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, be sure to check it out on our podcast feed. It's titled, What is the Impact of Vitiligo Disease? Throughout this episode, which is the second in the series, we will be focusing on patient management, including how to set, manage and track goals in the management of vitiligo patients. We'll We'll look at some key aspects when considering forming a treatment plan and we'll cover a few patient case studies at the end. Joining me again is Professor Thierry Passeron, who is head of the Department of Dermatology at the University Hospital of Nice and is also head of the INSERM, Labor the INSERM Laboratory. He is currently president of the Department of Clinical Research and Innovation of Nice University Hospital and vice president of the Côte d'Azur University. Dr. Passeron, how are you today? Oh, great. Thank you. I'm happy to be there and thank you for your invitation. The pleasure is all ours. Thank you so much for joining us again. I am also joined by Professor Amit Pandya, who is a dermatologist based in Mountain View, California. Professor Panja's work in vitiligo goes back approximately 20 years as an academic dermatologist at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas. How are you today, Dr. Panja? I'm doing great. It's great to be here with you, George, and my good friend, Thierry. You two go way back, I understand. It's great to have you both on. Thank you both uh, so much once again for joining me. It seems like it's such an important aspect of vitiligo treatment is the the goal setting stage because on the one hand you don't want to dishearten your patient you want to give them some sense of hope but the other flip side of that you don't want to overpromise and overachieve and it must be quite difficult to get that balance right also there are so many facets to this condition obviously there's the psychological uh, psychological impact which we spoke about in episode one and loads of other facets to vitiligo how do you go about creating a, a management plan for your patients with all of the factors that are considered with this condition? Well, I look at their pro prognostic variables. So um, are they younger or older? Younger patients tend to do better than older patients. I look at their skin type. Patients with darker skin tend to repigment more robustly than patients with lighter pigment. I look to see if they have black hairs. If they have black hairs, they're more likely to do better then they don't have black hairs. I look to see where the majority of the lesions are. If they're in areas that have hair, that are hair bearing, then I know that they'll have a better uh, prognosis as well. I look for signs of activity. If they don't have signs of activity, then they will likely do better. And if they do have signs of activity, it'll take longer to treat the people who have signs of activity. So based on that, I will um, tell the patient, okay, you want repigmentation of as much as your lesions as possible. Here's what I think is going on. You have a better prognosis or, or poor prognosis based on these factors. Now, as we do the treatment, um, I'm going to have to take some photographs because my, my goal is to try to get 75% of your color back on average over the whole body. But keep in mind that may be more than 75% on the face, but much less than 
75% on the hands and feet. So you must understand that when I say that the typical patient with phototherapy as well as treatment will have 25% improvement in three months, 50% improvement in six months, and 75% improvement in nine months on average, this varies depending on the location of the lesions. And then after that, they may plateau. So because of that, I am a very strong advocate of photographs. If you don't take a photograph at their baseline, then I see them at two to three months. Then I see them every three months afterwards. And I take a photograph every single time. Neither the patient nor myself will be able to detect a 10 to 25% improvement unless I have that photograph. And that is motivational for the patient and it's motivational for me to continue therapy. It makes total sense. Are there any other techniques that you implement when creating a management plan, Professor? Yeah, maybe just to, uh, I, I fully agree with Hamid and I think that making photography is very important. And also assessing the repigmentation with Woodland because sometimes, especially in fair skin patients, you are seeing them at six months and they believe that they are not repigmenting. But when, when you look with Woodland, you can see this pinpoint repigmentation and uh, it's very good sign. So you say, oh, see, they, it, it's uh, the repigmentation is ongoing. Uh, you have to continue because it's a good sign. And indeed, when you get those perifollicular repigmentation, this is a good sign. So it's very important to, to again, to assess not only at the beginning with wood lamp to, uh, to see uh, if there is any signs of activity, but also when it's repigmenting to get the early signs of repigmentation. The other thing that I would like to maybe to emphasize is that it's true that if you are taking care of the patient very early, it seems that you get better results. But it's also important to explain to all the, uh, the patient that even if the vitiligo is there for 40 or 50 years, we can repigment some area. So some patients are coming and say, oh, it's I, I come with my son because sometimes you have the father and the son that have the, the, the vitiligo and say, I'm coming for my son, for my daughter. But for me, it's too late because I have vitiligo for more than 50 years. And in fact, we can uh, also repigment lesion, especially on some areas such as the face, even though the, 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 the lesions are there for 40 or 50 years. So I think it's really important to emphasize this message. And do you ever um, make suggestions when it comes to the kind of holistic side of um, vitiligo treatment in terms of, you mentioned before, patients can often become withdrawn and, and not seek social activity, become quite shy. Do, do you kind of set little goals in terms of um, helping along with their, their kind of the more social aspects and the psychological burden of disease? Does that come at this stage or is that, in your view, something which is kind of separate when it comes to the, the, um, the treatment, uh, Dr. Panja? Well, I think this is where the, you have the difference between the science of medicine and the art of medicine. Uh, we are scientists, we're clinicians, but we're also healers, right? And so a good doctor needs to be able to assess the psychological state of the patient simply from their five to 10 minute interview and exam. And from that, I can determine from body language, tone of voice, um, you know, inflection, et cetera, vocabulary. I can determine whether this person uh, usually is uh, undergoing a great deal of stress uh, due to their vitiligo. And in those situations, if I feel like there is, then I will recommend that they seek counseling. I tell them how much it's helped many of my patients. 
um, and that they consider at least counseling. And perhaps if the vitiligo is actually affecting their day-to-day -day life where they can't even focus on a job or relationship or et cetera, that they consider even maybe seeing a psychiatrist uh, to help them temporarily because it's going to take me a while for me to do my job in terms of repigmentation. So they need to do that in parallel. I also tell them about the three pillars of vitiligo treatment. The first is to reduce triggers. And that is part of that is to reduce stress and reduce trauma to the skin and take antioxidants. The second pillar is to reduce the T cells that are attacking the skin with creams and pills sometimes. And then the third trigger is to stimulate melanocytes to repopulate. So those three pillars are important. And part of that is to try to reduce stress in your life. Um, anything to add, Dr. Pesero? Yeah, I mean, fully agree again with, uh, with Amit. I think that something that is also very important to, to explain to the patient is that there is something we can do for the vitiligo. Because uh, Amit and I, we know very well vitiligo, but uh, it's surprising maybe to hear that uh, many, many physicians are still saying to their patient, there is nothing to do. There is this, this very, uh, very wide international study. Uh, Amit participated on it, and uh, they ask, they ask uh, to the physician uh, if they are taking care of vitiligo. And for example, in Europe, more than sixty-five percent of uh, physicians say to their patient, "There is nothing to do for the vitiligo," and and that's that's very uh, surprising, and it's very sad for the patient we hear, who are hearing that. And in France. We just uh, published a study. More than, and you have healthcare that is taking in charge free, uh, free of charge. And there is more than 80% of vitiligo patients who have never been proposed any treatment for their vitiligo. So that's that's can be very surprising. But this is the truth. The the, the study has been con has been conducted last year. So it's uh, very important. And sometimes just to explain, okay, there are some treatment that we can do. Of course, there are some areas such as hand feet that are very difficult, but uh, we can do uh, we can do for halting disease progression. We can uh, we we have good chances to repigment your face. And listen, there are new treatments that are coming that seems very encouraging. So just for that, many patients are uh, smiling after the after the uh, the consultation, and that's very important to explain that to all the listeners because. It is true that we can do something. It is true that the future seems very bright for vitiligo patient, but nowadays we can do some, uh, we can help the patient with vitiligo. There are many different facets to vitiligo treatment and thank you so much for sharing these insights for our listeners. I'd like to move on to the sort of current standard treatment options that are available for vitiligo at the moment. And I'm curious as to what the level of satisfaction with these particular treatments uh, currently are, uh, Dr. Pesaron? In fact, again, it depends on, on, the, on the area and the activity. Uh, if, when it comes to uh, the repigment and the uh, repigmentation on the face, combining topical treatment with sun exposure or UV light uh, is providing um, a good uh, repigmentation in most cases. Uh, of course, as we already discussed, we need six to 24 months in most cases to achieve this repigmentation. In some area, again, very difficult to, to, uh, to achieve a full repigmentation. And when it comes to widespread vitiligo, it's, it's even uh, more difficult because we cannot apply a cream all over the body. 
So we are using some uh, what we call mini pearls of steroids, but it's uh, the, the level of evidence is quite low. But it's I have to say that it's helpful for patients. And Hamid nicely demonstrated uh, several years ago that when you combine these mini pearls and phototherapy uh, in very active patients, you can help and halt the disease progression and use repigmentation in many patients. So again, it depends on the 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 severity of the of the disease and the activity of the disease and there is still high uh, high handmet need dr panya i wanted to ask what's your opinion on systemic and topical approaches in in treatment well i think that the majority of patients that come to my clinic have less than five percent body surface area uh, involved with vitiligo so for those patients topical therapy is very reasonable uh, five one percent would be the size of your hand and so if you have vitiligo that amounts to about five hand sizes on your body, you can apply a cream once or twice a day to those areas. Once a day certainly is more easy to do than than twice a day. However, when you have 10%, 20%, 30% involvement, it really becomes very difficult to apply a topical to those areas. So in those particular patients, then I would want to use a more systemic uh, treatment if, if possible. However, I think that uh, when it comes to systemic treatment, the main decision for me is based on whether they have signs of activity or not. So just as uh, Theory mentioned, I I will put patients on oral mini pulse uh, steroids if they have signs of activity, but if they don't, then I will not. And this is this is true whether they have a small amount of involvement or large amount of involvement. Usually they have a larger amount of involvement. Um, but when it comes to the actual um, phototherapy, which I consider more of a systemic treatment where you're treating the entire body, I think that it really depends on the patient. Like we talked about earlier, there are some patients who have a very small amount, maybe 1%, but it's so devastating to them that you do want to treat with phototherapy and you may have to treat with whole body phototherapy uh, as well as topical therapy. Uh, whereas others, you may just want to treat with local therapy, even if they have a lot of lesions, because they only want a certain area treated. Uh, so again, it's really patient dependent. Dr. Pesoron, are there any examples on top of the um, many situations that Dr. Panja just mentioned where you would consider providing a systemic therapy to a patient? In fact, we are doing exactly the same. Uh, and uh, I, I would like to have, uh, and hopefully in the, in the near future, we're going to have some systemic treatments to repigment uh, uh, widespread uh, vitiligo. So far, uh, it's mostly for patients with active disease that it's uh, the combination of uh, narrowband UVB and uh, or mini pearls are very interesting. And as uh, Dr. Pandya just mentioned, if um, the patients are really active, even though the, um, the, 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 the spreading is not that high, we have to halt the disease progression because it's easier to halt the disease than to repigment. So uh, I will do uh, this combination. And I would like also to emphasize the fact that in vitiligo, as Amit was just mentioning, is not just acting on the depigmentation. You have to act on the immune part, but you also have to, you must trigger the repigmentation. And triggering the repigmentation is inducing the differentiation and proliferation of melanocyte stem cells. And so far, uh, the only way to do that is to use 
the sun or the UV coming, uh, so the narrowband UVB in cabins, in lamps, or your eczema laser, or uh, also in sunny exposed area to, to just to expose your sun, your skin to the sun. And hopefully, in the coming years, we'll have some topical treatment that might trigger this uh, differentiation of melanocyte. But so far, there is no. But I mean, something that is key is combination approaches to achieve optimal repigmentation in vitiligo patients. I'm curious, you just mentioned the, the potential um, you know, topical treatments that could be coming down the pipeline. I, I wanted to ask both of you this question. In your opinions, what is currently the, the biggest unmet need in vitiligo treatment? I'll start with you, Dr. Panja. Oh, there are so many. It's hard for me to say the biggest unmet need. Um, I think that going back to what you said about systemic therapy, the advantage of having, let's say, a pill to take one a day, once a day, so convenient. That is advantageous for several reasons. First of all, it will help prevent next week's lesion and next month's lesion, whereas topical therapy will only treat the areas that you're treating, uh, that you're applying it to. And so patients really want to stop the progression. Phototherapy is very burdensome. Only 10, maybe 10% of dermatologists in America even have a full body phototherapy booth. And so even though Theory and I have talked a lot about phototherapy, the fact is that very few patients get the phototherapy. Yes, it does prevent new lesions from coming on other areas of the body with the higher doses, but it is not a practical, easy treatment, and it has a high burden. So I think there are many unmet needs. First of all, we need more primary care physicians familiar with the diagnosis of vitiligo. We need more dermatologists knowledgeable about the treatment of vitiligo. We need better patient compliance, uh, like a once a day rather than twice a day application or, or taking something orally. We need better treatment of areas with poor response, such as the hands, wrists, feet, um, uh, ankles, elbows, knees, and lips. And we need a shorter duration of therapy. Patients shouldn't have to wait six to 24 months in order to see substantial uh, repigmentation. We need faster onset of action. And we need drugs, like Theory said, that hit both pillars of therapy, removing the T cells that kill the melanocytes and stimulating the melanocytes to repigment. We need a durable response so that the vitiligo doesn't come back when you stop the treatment. And we need more studies in children and with combination therapy. Quite a few there. <laughs> I'm glad I asked the question. Uh, Dr. Pacerod, is there any, any on top of the extensive list that um, your esteemed colleague has just laid out that you'd like to add on? Yeah, I mean, just mention everything. And, and uh, in fact, in this response, you can see that we have many, many uh, unmet needs. Uh, I would say maybe if I have to take to pick one, because I, I know what is coming and I'm an optimistic guy and I, I think that we'll have some some pills that are coming and that, that, that will help a lot of patients, including some, uh, some young people. I would say that so far the, 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 the biggest unmet need, and I don't see uh, at least in the coming years some treatment for that, is repigmenting the extremities of, uh, of hands and feet. And the ends are very, very difficult to repigment, and they are very bothersome for many patients after the face. And whatever the treatment so far, I don't see something that is really exciting for this. And I think we have to, we must work on this because this is a critical point. I fully agree with all the uh, the, the, the point uh, that has been shared with um, by Amit. 
Thank you. And you you mentioned um, some potential sort of pipelines um, molecules that could be coming down. Speaking very generally, so without going into too much detail, do you have any comments or opinions on any data that you've seen of potentially promising um, e molecules so far, Dr. Pacera? In fact, we have uh, exciting uh, results. We have first some topical treatments of topical JAK inhibitors that are providing some um, very good results, especially on the faith. And also uh, there are some oral JAK inhibitors that have, pro- have shown yeah, at least in phase two studies some uh, encouraging results. They, they, are, they need to be confirmed, um, but uh, with one piece a day, they, uh, they seem to be uh, effective in, uh, for widespread vitiligo, for active form of vitiligo. Of course, the phase three will uh, tell us uh, if it's really uh, the case, but I'm quite uh, encouraged by those data. What I would like to say is that I'm convinced that um, those topical or or JAK inhibitors are only the first generation of treatment for vitiligo. Uh, Thanks to the very uh, um, vast knowledge that we have acquired during these past 10 years uh, for the pathophysiology of vitiligo, we have exciting new targets that arise and new treatment that will arrive after the JAK inhibitor. So first, Let's see uh, what uh, if the encouraging data with the old Jack inhibitor have confirmed. But I'm, I have to to say that I'm very very optimistic for the future because we have many new targets, many new treatments that are coming, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll manage to uh, day by day and with time fill all the unmet needs that Dr. Pandya uh, rightfully mentioned. Fantastic, Dr. Pandya. Anything that you'd like to add to what Dr. Pasaran has said? Uh, I, I agree with uh, all that theory said. Very exciting uh, what's happening right now, and I look forward to what's happening in the future. But I would like to leave the physicians, uh, the, the all the healthcare providers listening to their broadcast, just with the message that vitiligo does have a treatment. It really requires knowledge of the treatments, but even more importantly, setting expectations with your patient and taking photographs because there's nothing like going through a process of seeing successful repigmentation in a patient in order to change your mindset on how you approach vitiligo. Once you have seen that over a period of 9 to 12 months or longer, and you have photographic evidence, you'll be surprised at how your pessimism will turn into um, somewhat more optimism in terms of approaching these patients. Thank you for sharing. Is there any one information or advice that you'd like to share with um, listeners before we say goodbye, Dr. Pacero? Uh, Again, uh, we can do already today. uh, We can take care of vitiligo. We have good results. And in the near future, we'll have probably even better results. So uh, don't be pessimistic. See your dermatologist. Uh, They can provide you some care. And look to the future, uh, to my opinion, it's really bright for all patients with vitiligo. Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode. All that's left for me to do is to thank my wonderful guest, Professor Thierry Passeron. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. And Professor Amit Pandya, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Fantastic. So as I said, if you haven't listened to the first episode of the series, please 
do be sure to check it out. It is on the same podcast feed. All you need to do is search what is the impact of vitiligo disease. And yeah, it's been a real pleasure to have these conversations with you. And I'm sure they'll be of great benefit to our listeners, whether they be dermatologists, medical students, you know, this is a really valuable medical education resource. And we really do appreciate you giving your time and expertise. If you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We release a new episode every Friday, as well as plenty of bonus episodes, just like this one. Until next time, take care and goodbye for now.